Hello, and welcome to another episode of Rainbow Road. I'm Travis Ryans. I'm Mike Deneen. And today we have two special guests with us. First is our producer, Matthew Kinnar. Matt, thanks you so much for joining us. Hello. It's weird to be on the other side of the microphone. <laughs> well, we're glad to have you on this side with us. As well as we have Alex Markman, a screenwriter for film, TV, and digital. Thank you so much for joining us, Alex. Thank you for having me. I am excited and nervous to be here. Oh, don't be nervous. <laughs> no, no. We, we promise we won't rip you apart too hard. Too hard. Okay, great. Okay. <laughs> Wink. so the reason that we brought alex on for today is that we are going to be talking about the coming out story you've all heard it you've all seen it uh in other mediums such as novels film and television the coming out story has become very ubiquitous it is everywhere it is the most commonly told queer story and i think first we got to discuss why that is where did that come from why is it here uh, so what do you guys think about when you hear the coming out story? Mike, what do you think? Uh, you know, I feel like, why do humans tell stories, right? It's, I feel like it's because we need them. We need them in our lives. They sort of act as, as scripts sometimes for, for challenging events or, uh, to help us process things. And I think that for people, uh, you know, community members in the LGBT community, it's good to have these, these stories to sort of like a, as a gateway to living authentically. Cool. Um, Matt, what about you? What do you think about when you hear the coming out story? My instant association would be Glee. I feel like I was right at the peak time for the Kurt Hummel storylines. There was something about that specific coming out that kept things more realistic. That it, it wasn't, it didn't feel like a PSA of like, it's okay to be gay. You can come out. It's fine. It, it felt more like this is what coming out is going to look like. It's going to be a little awkward. There's going to be weird tears. Um, parents aren't going to immediately understand everything about how to treat you, but eventually you're going to get there and it's going to be okay. Yeah. I, I would say I kind of have a similar feeling about it. You know, I had a very weird sort of coming out experience and it was nice to see these stories. Uh, Alex, what do you think about when you hear the, the coming out story? I start thinking about what is the difference between a coming out story and the coming out story. Um, because to me, it's a very clear difference. So a coming out story is exactly what it sounds like. It is the story of a character's coming out. And that could mean coming out as gay, as queer, trans, by uh, non-binary. It could mean a lot of different things. The coming out story is something very specific. Uh, it's the story of a young, white, conventionally attractive, usually male, sometimes female, but always cisgender person who comes out as gay to their immediate family and friends with relatively mild consequences and then goes on to live happily ever after, usually signified by a very chaste kiss with their two-dimensional love interest. And I don't even need to give you an example because I guarantee any queer person listening to this just had five examples involuntarily pop into their brain. We've seen it a thousand times. Love, Simon. Yeah, Love, Simon is exactly what came to my mind. I haven't seen Love, Simon. I will reserve judgment. I've heard both good and bad things. Um, but again, we've seen this so many times uh, long before Love, Simon. It's just been overdone. Um, so to me, that is the coming out story. So why is it that it's become so popular in the first place? Like, is it because it was just meeting a demand? Like Mike said, it was a, a script for us. Uh, why do you think we've seen this, Matt? Now, okay, hold on. I'm going to go for a galaxy brain take here. <laughs> the coming out of these characters 
represents the coming out of our community. Wow. There was a huge just surge of these kind of stories as people were discovering that gay people exist Mm -hmm. outside of our own community, as the news was starting to cover us in a fair way, that kind of thing. And so it paralleled it well. There was a larger social significance immediately to the characters beyond just who they are. There was the huge focus on gay teens at the time because of a bunch of high-profile suicides. And I think a lot of the stories around that time were specifically aiming to counteract that. Travis, you said you had a weird coming out story. Are we going to get to hear that? If you want. Um, it's also kind of grim, to be honest. Yay, trauma time. Yeah. Let's just, let's take it down. We'll get real grim for a bit and then we'll bring it up with Alex. We'll have an ande- anecdote or something, I'm sure. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Yeah, no pressure. Just no pressure. No yeah, pressure. <laughs> I actually haven't come out yet. So <laughs> this is my coming out. <laughs> I'm so glad that you could do that with us here today. She's going to play this uh, show for her whole family in a room. Uh, and this is no, I'm not because of COVID, Mike. Jeez. Oh, you're right. Yeah, no, sorry, that's not very social distancing, is it? Uh... My cat is looking at me right now, like you're gay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my coming out story. Um, I mean, when it comes to the school, I only told my best friend. She actually had a crush on me at the time, uh, and she was very upset that I was not going to be, you know, available. Uh, and she didn't handle it well, and she told pretty much everyone. Wait, and I found out. Hold on. Like, so she was like, she was like, oh, I can't, I can't get with you anymore. Screw you. I'll, you know, discretion be damned. I'm gonna share this private information with as many people as possible to balance the equilibrium of her life. Yeah. Wow. When I found out that the entire school knew, I locked myself in a room um, and considered committing suicide for a couple days. Uh, and then I realized that everyone had known for weeks and no one had really overtly treated me any different, nothing that I could clock or notice. So it couldn't be that bad. Right. Mm -hmm. So I just sort of eventually started bringing it up in conversations with people because they knew. So I had nothing left to hide. Um, it was a lot darker with my family because unfortunately before this all went down, Mm -hmm. um, I have uh, an extremely abusive and violent brother, uh, who was very homophobic and, once he discovered that my family actually got me out of the house and had me stay with my grandmother for a week for my own safety. Wow. Um, because they were concerned about what could happen to me. Um, so there wasn't really a script for that one. There wasn't really a, (laughs) a coming out story that was going to make that one any easier for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and it all happened through him searching through my computer, uh, and finding pornography and finding this out. So I had no control over how or when I got to tell people, uh, in either situation, uh, though, both of those were taken away from me. So wow. it is almost a little sort of aspirational to look at these other coming out stories and see how other people might've gotten to do it. Um, because I certainly never got that opportunity. Someone else gets to give you the dramatic monologue of it's okay. You are still you. You get to hear it finally. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, uh, as much as we make fun of Love, Simon, and I will continue to make fun of Love, Simon, it really does have that beautiful monologue from Jennifer Garner where she says, you know, it feels like you've been holding your breath for so long and you get to breathe now. And in an otherwise mediocre movie, her delivery of that I'm was just in the theater like, <laughs> like I, I was really moved by that. So you were you were like robbed of even having the opportunity to to live this story because of choices that other people had made on your behalf. Yeah, it, uh, it, 
I never got to to have that experience to choose when or how I got to tell people, at least at first. I mean, I think the interesting thing about being queer is that a lot of people who aren't queer don't get that we continually come out. Right. This is not a one-time thing. Exactly. Every time I meet a new person, um, especially at work, I have to sort of gauge how much I want to tell them. Even just, you know, being in an Uber, you know, and they say, oh, you heading out on a date tonight? And I'm like, um... Yes. It's so true. And then do you do you tell them that you're gay or do you tell them that you're gay? <laughs> yeah, that's another thing. It ties back into your original question, which is why is this so popular in the media? Like why do we see the the coming out story more than any other semblance of a queer story? And I think personally, uh, it's because for so long, the dominant voices in TV, film, literature uh, were those of straight, white, cis men. But the reason they gravitated towards the coming out story is because that's how straight people experience coming out. A person comes out to them, they have a good or bad reaction to that one specific moment, and then they never have to deal with it again. You know, this idea of coming out is very much a queer experience through an exclusively non-queer lens. It's, it's very true. There's also something to be said about the fact that the coming out story is very easy to tell in a non-queer story. Like to just have a side character whose plotline is coming out. Uh, where you don't have to focus on the queerness, you don't have to take too much time away from the main character or their plot lines. It's a very succinct one scene kind of thing that you get a lot of praise for. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, you know, we've seen why it has become so popular in other media. Uh, You know, as we have said, TV, film and literature. The reason that I want to bring it up today, of course, on Rainbow Road is... uh, what happened with games? We don't see it in games. Like, Mike, can you think of any examples of coming out stories in games? Not explicitly coming out in terms of sexuality. There are coming out stories uh, in terms of the the revealing of information about a character, like coming out as like a wizard or like, you know, having a secret identity, being a superhero, you know, this moving from one identity to another, like openly. But I can't. I, I cannot think of of a of a game. No, that has a, a sexual identity coming out story. What about you, Matt? Is there any coming out stories that come to mind when you think of video games? No, which is deeply strange to me. Like originally, I had just sort of written it off as like, oh, there's not enough gays in games, which sure is is part of it. But even in the very queer indie scene. Um, where everyone has pronouns in bio, everyone is already including gay characters in their games, is making queer-centric games. None of them are specifically telling a sort of traditional coming-out story like other mediums. They're just jumping right into life as an out-queer person. Now, Alex, I know you, you don't um, focus on games so much with your writing. You do write for other medium. But, you know, what, what do you see when you look at games? Do you see coming-out stories ever? I can't think of a single example beyond, of course, the coming out simulator by Nikki Case. And if you've never heard of that or played it, I highly recommend Googling it. It's really well done. Um, But obviously, that's a very specific example. And I actually only recently discovered it, even though it's five years old. Um, In my own gaming, I have had two very blink and you miss it gay moments while playing um, in two different games. uh, And neither of them were coming out. So no, I can't think of a single example. There is another another game that I stumbled across in researching this episode called A Gay's Life. Um, but it's specifically all still in uh, untranslated 
I think it's Mandarin Chinese. Um, no one's made an English version. There's just a couple articles on gaming websites about this game and just sort of recapping it. Uh, do, what can you tell us about it? Like, what, what, did, you, what did you find out about it? Yeah, it, it tracks the first baby gay steps of a gay man <laughs> in China from coming out to his family and trying to balance the reactions of four people at once. It then sort of like gamifies that process of like, you have to click the right dialogue options in the right amount of time to uh, satiate everyone's concerns. Uh, And it turns into a little bit of a dating simulator in terms of like turning people down who are women, uh, gauging if other guys are going to be interested, that kind of thing. Like it, it starts the process of, living a modern gay life and gamifies them all with sort of traditional mechanics. That's really cool. I wish there was an English version so that we could try it. That sounds really interesting. Mm -hmm. Like I look at it and I do see queer characters that are out there, you know, and uh, characters who you could even argue that their queerness has informed their lives in some way. Like, uh, Last of Us, I felt, was really good at that, where you have Ellie, who is rebellious and uh, independent and feels like she has to do everything on her own, but still clearly cares about other people. And I feel like her queerness could have really informed that. Or another queer character in The Last of Us, uh, Bill. Uh, Bill, also very independent, but also rejecting society, like not wanting to be with anyone, not trusting anyone uh, except his partner. uh, And even they fight. Uh, and I feel like that kind of rejection of society and mistrust of people could have been very much been informed by his queerness. But at no point do either of their queer stories have this sort of, oh, I'm gay and I must tell people. Like that element is not there. Um, the only one I can really think of is the one that actually Matt and I played together, which was Gone Home. Matt, do you remember Gone Home? Yeah, it's it's still sort of weird for me to think of that as a coming out story just because of how it's presented, I guess. It's it's an odder one, though, because you're so removed from the story itself. You you play as the older sister coming home from college to an empty house on this creepy sort of horror story night, and you have to try and piece together what happened to the family and where they've gone. And from the scraps and notes and books lying open that you find, you're able to figure out that your younger sister has slowly been realizing that she's queer uh, and eventually has just taken off uh, because she knows her parents aren't going to accept her and would react badly. So she's run off to start a new life. Hmm. Uh, And eventually you do find the note where she's sort of coming out officially, but it could easily be missed and you could still get the story of this girl piecing together her sexuality based off of her attraction to random girls. So we've been uh, talking about the sort of scraps that we have of coming out stories and games, but for the most part, it does seem to be absent, which is why I wanted to do this episode. So why do you guys think that is? Um, So many reasons. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I'm going to jump to you, Alex. Alex, what do you, what do you think? Um, So first of all, a lot of it has to do with process. So in TV, generally the way it works, a writer comes up with a concept, they team up with a production company, they pitch it to a bunch of broadcasters, as many as possible, including networks, streamers, cable services, etc. And hopefully one of those guys buys the show. 
then they develop it, which usually includes a script or two and a Bible. And if the TV gods smile upon them, they get to go into production. Whereas in games, it's all internal. So someone who has been working for the studio for a number of years uh, and has risen through the ranks will get the opportunity to pitch to the big cheeses of the studio. So from the very inception of a game, you're already dealing with a much narrower group of voices than you would with, say, in the world of TV, where any given broadcaster might receive 500 different pitches from 500 different writers in a single pilot season. So you have to have already hired those queer people into your company and then be, you know, accessing their voices and their stories, as opposed to someone coming in with the project from outside. Exactly. And not only that, that person generally needs to have worked with the company for a period of time. You know, you don't just get to work for the company for six months and then get to pitch your idea for a video game. This is someone who has been with the studio for a number of years and has risen through the ranks. Unless you're Kingdom hearts, but that's a different story. (laughs) So one of the main pillars that they'll often talk about, especially in the AAA space, is what they call the core fantasy or the player fantasy, which is literally, why does a person want to play this game? What is the fantasy they get to live out when they play this game? In Assassin's Creed, it's it's the fantasy of being a badass assassin during a cool point in history. In Shadow of Mordor, it's getting to be a hero in Tolkien's world. In Spider-Man, it's the fantasy of getting to be Spider-Man. Yeah, in The Sims, it's pretending to like have friends and live a healthy life. Got it. Exactly, getting to own a house. In Sims, it's murder. <laughs> I love that you all have three very different ideas of what The Sims are. <laughs> it's the benefit of a sandbox game. But yeah, that's a great way of, uh, of framing a video game of, of like what is that core fantasy. Exactly. Extra Credits does an amazing episode on this if you uh, are interested in that, by the way. Well, this will be better. (laughs) I don't even know who those people are, so forget it. They they suck. Oh, my God. I'm not petty. Um, But within that, when it comes down to the pitch, whereas a lot of broadcasters are putting an emphasis on wanting to tell different stories and diverse stories, in games, when it comes down to the player fantasy, I think the problem is a lot of them don't buy being queer as a fantasy why would anybody want to be queer why would anybody want to be (laughs) trans yeah how do you explain that to a cisgendered straight person and i mean i don't have the answer but i do believe that this is part of the problem is they just don't see that as an ideal uh so so what you're saying is we have to pitch being gay to the big cheeses be like okay yes get this literally you're gonna have lots of struggles Now give me millions of dollars to do it in polygons. (laughs) How do you pitch the gay lifestyle to people in a way that sounds appealing and interesting to them? Like lots of travel, no kids. Women actually get to orgasm. Let me tell you all about bathhouses. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of time spent in parks and, uh, you know, public bath. That's not a selling point. (laughs) There's an app that's just a Rolodex of sex. A roll of sex. Oh my god. If you will. Oh god, no, boo. I, that's... Why are you booing me? I'm right. This is why we keep you behind the microphone, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've talked about all the different reasons it's not as common in gaming. So Alex, you mentioned the fact that the process is so much different. There is lack of access for queer writers. Uh, that the nature of writing is also just very different. Like trying to write for a Mario game is wildly different than trying to write for Mass Effect. Uh, But TV is a little more standardized, as you said. So it's interesting that I find we have all of these opportunities, and yet we haven't come across the coming out story as much. Um, 
And it's because of those other reasons that you listed as well. But do you think that as the medium grows and eventually we get more queer writers into those spaces or the indie space becomes more accessible, uh, do you think that we're going to see more coming out stories or, or not? Uh, personally, no, because I mean, part of the reason is that games take an incredibly long time to make even by TV and film standards. And uh, we haven't gotten into this too much yet on the episode. But I think it's notable that a lot of queer people are kind of sick of coming out stories. The coming out story only represents a very narrow slice of the queer experience. But beyond that, I think queer people are sick of the coming out story or a coming out story because it's not a complete story. You know, as you said earlier, we come out again and again throughout our lives. You know, it doesn't get better. It just gets repetitive. So I don't think that it rings as authentic or true with many queer people. I think a lot of queer people have less incentive to tell coming out stories. There's more of an emphasis on just wanting to see queer people living full rounded uh, and varied lives. But what I find interesting, though, is that even in the indie space, which is even more segmented, uh, you have games created essentially by one person, there's still a lack of coming out stories specifically. We just jump right into queer daily life. Which I think is kind of interesting because it brings up what you had said earlier, Matt, where you said that uh, this was sort of the representation of the coming out of the community. The community was coming out through these stories. So do you feel like it's kind of missed the boat that we have enough acceptance now that that's not the story we want to hear? I think it's less, it's no longer the story we want to hear and more that it's, no longer what straight people need to see of us. We've asserted our existence. Most straight people know that gay people exist now, whether or not they accept that. And now the move to normalization has sort of been, how do the straight community and the gay community interact in everyday life? How, How do these worlds collide? I completely agree with what you said, Travis. I think just with where games have fallen in the history of telling queer stories and how, you know, we've only been able to tell these stories to a wider audience, say, for the last 20 or 30 years, and even that's kind of stretching it. Games have fallen at a time when people are kind of sick of the coming out story. And like Matt said, we've kind of jumped right into seeing queer people just living their everyday lives. Having said that, uh, there still isn't a lot of it in games. Like, I just want to see more queer and trans representation in video games in general, uh, whether that's a coming out story or not. I think it's kind of interesting that when we do see queer characters, they are almost always universally accepted. And I wonder if that is this utopian aspirational idea of living in these worlds where being queer doesn't matter and you are happy and you are satisfied and you live this great life, um, which is great. Or whether it's the developers trying to not acknowledge the struggles that we face as queer people, the fact that our lives continue after the coming out story and we still have hardships that we have to deal with, we still face obstacles even the slightest acknowledgement that some characters are queer, even though it's barely a part of the story or the game, gets people's backs up. They start saying, you know, stop shoving it in our faces, stop making it so political. Uh, and it's just kind of funny that, like, I think the coming out story kind of draws attention to itself. It draws attention to the queerness of it. Whereas having queer characters live their lives within your story, you can slide them under the radar. You can do that Disney brand of representation where... 
Hey, hey, they're there. See that they're there, huh? We put them in there. I mean, coming out also elicits that reaction, I think, in some respects, because the whole idea of coming out implies that you were previously perceived as something else, as cis, as yeah. straight, etc. <laughs> so it does call attention to that because it's a change. I think, too, to come out, there needs to be an element of a homophobic world around you that's putting you in a closet. And... I don't think most straight developers feel comfortable portraying a world with a gay character that dislikes the gay character. I don't I disagree. I don't think that you necessarily need a homophobic world in order to tell a coming out story. You need a heteronormative world. Yes. Yeah. And heteronormativity, you know, it is homophobic and transphobic in a sense, um, but it's much more subtle than outward homophobia, I would say. But I don't think you need to necessarily have like violent or overt homophobia in order to be able to tell a coming out story. You know, look at Schitt's Creek, right? The coming out is very gentle and they were very careful not to do overt homophobia or misogyny in that show that's also frankly an experience that rings true to me when he comes out as pan to someone that he has dated i mean as someone who has dated people of a variety of genders that is a coming out experience that i've had and every time i go out with someone new i have to figure out pretty quickly is this person safe to tell that i have dated men in the past or dated women um actually well dating women it's not usually as much of an issue because men tend to be like oh cool but <laughs> with lesbians especially there is very a lot of biphobia in the lesbian community and i don't personally identify as bi but i always have to negotiate whether or not this is someone i feel comfortable telling yeah i, I had a boyfriend you know mm-hmm. That's fair, yeah. Uh, Mike, you had a really good point uh, talking about uh, using comic book heroes as analogies for coming out stories. Oh, yeah. Like, I think anyone who's seen X2 knows that that whole, have you tried not being a mutant? (laughs) Yeah. Like, that was not a subtle nod. Hashtag thanks, I'm cured. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I I don't think, and it needs to be as explicit as, like, this is a gay character and this, this character is coming out. You can transpose that story uh and and like grafted onto onto a larger truth that is more scalable it has more versatility as a story which is why i think that we don't see the specifics of a gay character coming out as as gay in their world uh because you know then as i think matt said you have to sort of do the world building of this like homophobic world is sort of like the antagonist in the situation but i think that it just could be a simple community around a character uh, accepting them and then and then as Alex you were talking about the core fantasy then becomes belonging like you it's it's sort of like oh I belong and we, and we see that in places like oh well now there's Hogwarts like I can belong there or like oh there's the Avengers like I'm a superhero and I can belong here like I'm I'm Tom Holland and I'm a super hot sexy dancer boy uh, and now I've got this cast of mentors who I can learn from and I think that maps nicely onto the LGBT community because like, I, you know, I felt like now I've joined this institution that has people that I can learn more about myself from 
Do you know what I mean? I, I absolutely do. And funny, it's funny, I didn't realize until you started mentioning this right now uh, that I actually really see Life is Strange 2 as a coming out story. I don't know if you guys know that game very well, but in it, you are playing a young Latino teenager who has an even younger brother, who's, I, I want to say around 10, who has now discovered that he has powers. Uh, he has these sort of telekinetic psychic powers that unfortunately can do a lot of damage if he's not careful. And they are constantly on the run from people who hate them. And you, as the older brother, have to guide him as to when he can use his power and when he can't, when he can engage in it, and when he has to hide that, and when he can tell people, and when he can't tell people. And I, I see that as almost like a coming out story now, kind of like a superhero story, coming this hiding a part of yourself because it's dangerous and unsafe for other people, even though you are a good person and you don't want bad for the world, you still have to be careful to hide that part of yourself right. because of other what other people would do. I guess I had a really unique perspective on it as a gay man who had to hide those parts of myself. And I kind of know better than that kid what's dangerous and what's safe and like trying to make those decisions for him and, and protect him. I didn't realize how personally that was speaking to me until we started talking about this. Yeah, also, Travis, having had the experience you did with your coming out story, do you feel like playing this game has sort of given you an opportunity to see like a more ideal scenario? Um, having an older brother who actually looks out for you and cares about your well-being and wants you to be safe, I that's uh, a very different experience for me. That's um, Yeah, that's what I mean. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't realize how heavy that was actually hitting me until now. Uh, Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, I need to switch to a different topic. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is how they ended up including a a queer character in Buffy. And, you know, everyone thinks of Willow as such a queer icon now. But the catalyst for that was that critics were commenting on how the series really resembled coming out stories. You know, the character with powers uh, coming into their own and learning to accept their identity. It really resembled the beats of a coming out story. So they were considering... Why don't we create a queer character? And then uh, they introduced the character who would later become her girlfriend. They were like, hey, they have amazing chemistry. Willow's gay now. (laughs) Yeah. I think we've, over the course of the last while, have talked about the noteworthy absence of these stories and why that might be the case. You know, what's next? Is it something that we need to see? Is it something that we don't need to see? I mean, it might be beneficial to expose some of the more gamer bros for lack of a better term to coming out stories and queer characters in general like i'd be here for a gay bloodborne (laughs) (laughs) i firmly believe bloodborne is one of the gayest video games of all time but that's another episode Uh (laughs) (laughs) okay we'll bring you back for the bloodborne episode (laughs) i think if if we were looking at that idea of like the coming out stories reflected the gay community coming out, then what we need to see right now is trans characters coming out in games. Absolutely. God, if we're talking about the lack of queer representation in video games, I can't think of a single example of a trans character in video games. And that's awful. And I think too, there's, there's so much opportunity to do really good affirming trans representation in games because there's so many different places where gender as a mechanic exists. Yes. Like so many games have different color codings for different genders. You have their name coming up next to their dialogue. There's all of these places where you can take a character who was originally presenting male and then super suddenly 
switch and affirm their gender identity as female. Uh, And who better to give stories where people can feel like they have agency and they have control over their presentation, Mm -hmm. over their choices, over their impact on the world. I I think that's super necessary. Uh, And I'm hoping that, you know, we see the coming out story 2.0 when it comes to the trans community and seeing it more from developers. Absolutely. I have an interesting question. Ooh. Or what I think is an interesting question. Maybe it's a very boring question. (laughs) So I propose that, you know, we don't see the coming out story as explicitly as we might because it already exists in a lot of stories that are metaphorical. Like the, you know, you have a power. People don't know about your power and i'm using air quotes here but alex may i please uh borrow your your lovely beautiful writer brain what do you think would be a way of having a trans coming out story in like a more implicit subversive way like what do you think how how could we like disguise this how could we embed the gay agenda into games Honestly, I I apologize if this is a cop-out, but I don't think I'm the right person to answer that question. I think the answer is to speak to more trans gamers and trans people in the gaming industry about their experiences and also carve out more space for transgender people in the gaming industry to tell their stories, trans writers, trans artists, etc. I do really believe that that is the most important thing when it comes to representation is that you need people who can authentically speak to that experience yeah, yeah. helping us tell stories about that experience. One of the things that I've seen actually is really interesting. Um, I, I can't say that I see this from a trans perspective, but I've seen other people talk about it from minority perspectives, and I would hope this still applies to the trans experience, uh, was an online game called Rust. I have no idea if it's actually even still functional or not, if it's still going. Um, but it was this survival game where you got dumped in and there was no character creator. Uh, you were randomly assigned a gender, you were randomly assigned a skin color, and people still said that they experienced misogyny and racism through text chat and things like that, even though they did not choose any of these things, much like we don't choose these about ourselves. We don't choose our gender for the most part. We don't choose our skin color and things like that. And we get assigned certain values. We get assigned certain traits because of that. Uh, And I think that is sort of a way to tell an aspect of these experiences while not overtly making it a coming out story. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things I've seen trans gamers and uh, trans storytellers in general gravitate towards is the idea of like the body swap or anything like that that is so... Like a Freaky Friday? Yeah, like things that are sort of explicitly linked to body dysmorphia and Mm, gender dysphoria. Yeah. The idea of being in the wrong body or people seeing your body differently than how you do right, is something that a lot of people I've talked to have connected with. Interesting. Well, I think that's about all the time we have for today. Before we go, I just want to ask quickly, um, hey, Alex, what you playing? Uh, Well, I've been playing a lot of Pokemon Go, actually. I picked that back up because it gives me a reason to not sit inside and rot in quarantine and actually get a little bit of socially distant fresh air. Uh, And I just finished Shadow of Mordor. So I'm between console games at the moment. I have to pick my next one. Hmm, Okay, maybe we'll do a Twitter poll with our audience, see if they can vote on your next game. Uh, Hey, Matt, what you playing? Uh, Lately, I have been deep into Faye. It's this little uh, Metroidvania starring a fox. Oh, it's so cute. Oh, God, he's so sweet. And he just, he sings to forest animals to get them to help him on his mission of, like, stopping the terrible corporate developers who are tearing down the forest through metaphor. <laughs> Wait, metaphorist? 
Oh, metaphors. I like that. Have you finished it yet, Matt? I haven't finished it. I'm Okay, I won't say anything. It's wonderful, though. Okay, good. And like, I never thought I would have so much fun going all Snow White and singing to deer, but here we are. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, Mike, what you playing? My, not so much I'm playing, but my roommate uh, has just discovered my Nintendo Switch. Oh. And so I'm enjoying him playing Pokemon for the first time in a long time uh, and uh, playing his first ever Zelda game, Breath of the Wild. Oh, so it's amazing. It's the beauty of watching someone sort of experiencing these games that are such staples. Uh, but through new eyes, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. I'm, I myself actually have been playing a lot of uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Um, loving it. It's it's really cool. Mm-hmm. It is so cool. Did you play the original, Trev? I haven't, actually, uh, which is blasphemy. But I, I never... I played Final Fantasy IX onwards. Um, and every Kingdom Hearts game ever. Yeah, that's another story. Well, actually, it's funny because like, the Final Fantasy combat is somewhat Kingdom Hearts-esque. So I'm really enjoying it. It's it's kind of a mix between turn-based and uh, and action, which sounds like a terrible idea. Historically, has been a terrible no, idea. But they they did it well though. It's really well balanced. Oh, they did it so well in this game. Uh, I'm still very excited to get to the honeybee whenever that happens. Uh, I've seen all of the memes online. I haven't made it there myself. You've heard the buzz. Yeah, I heard the buzz. Is that the drag club? Yeah, or the whatever the club is. Yeah, I'm excited to get there. So. Super excited. Uh, I'm going to go play that right now. So thank you so much for joining us. Alex, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. And Matt, thank you for coming out of your editing booth and coming on the show. We're so happy to yeah, have man. you. Into the light. Thank you. All right. This is Rainbow Road. If you liked this episode, follow us on Twitter at Rainbow Road Pod or get in touch with us for future episodes at rainbowroadpodcast at gmail.com. And a big thank you to all of our guests today and our producer, Matt Kinnar. Thanks for listening to Rainbow Road.